We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. How many of you guys brought a Bible this morning? Hey, you actually have a Bible. Wow. I didn't know you knew those existed. I'm totally kidding. Um, Hebrews 10. Turn to Hebrews 10, verse 39 through 11.6. Hebrews 10.39 through 11.6. Last week, Pastor talked um, about Benaniah and um, how this this guy uh, chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day um, and killed him. That's got to be some sort of movie that's not been made, right? Like when you see lying in a pit on a snowy day and he died. I, I don't know. It's like a Jason Bourne movie or something like that, right? Uphill into the pit. Like there's so many things. Anyhow, um, he, he talked about that and that was a message that for me gets you fired up, right? Um, like you walk away from a message like that and you tend to feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And so knowing that I had to preach this week, I was pretty excited to follow that message actually. Like, okay, okay, we're going to get after it this Sunday. And as I prepared, we are still going to get after it. Don't, don't get that wrong. It just wasn't the way that I thought it was going to be. I said that this morning in prayer and Dale kind of chuckled because isn't that how God works? Isn't that how God works? Hebrews eleven thirty nine. Let's read. No, excuse me. I said ten thirty nine. Sorry, ten thirty nine. Take your pick. Don't take your pick. Ten thirty nine, please. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Let me reread that. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But those who have faith and persevere in their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things visible. Before I move any further, can we establish something? I believe, I have faith, that there is another dimension more real than the dimension of our five senses. I believe that this dimension that, that I speak of made the dimension that we're in now. And so if that is the case, then which dimension is more real? We've been taught and led to believe that, especially in, in our Western culture, that if our five senses tell us it's true, then it must be true. I'd like to suggest, though, that there's a whole nother dimension, a dimension that is eternal, that made the temporal, created dimension. And we have had a bunch of people in the room this morning, those who are considering, those who are pursuing, those who have been convinced 
that there's this other dimension, that there's this God so powerful that, that when he spoke, he spoke things into existence, right? When he spoke whale, whale came to life. When he spoke ocean, there was an ocean that we believe without a shadow of a doubt that we serve a powerful God. Verse four, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, to which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And here's the scripture that I kind of want to hit on. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. If read wrong or misunderstood, this scripture carries more weight than you can bear. It's a lot like the scripture that I, I, I preached or touched on a couple of weeks ago when I preached that says, if you love me, then you will obey me, obey my commands. It's kind of the same way. If you read this scripture wrong, I'm not sure that you have the ability to bear that weight because I don't know about you, but the week wasn't perfect for me. I'm not, I don't know about you, but my, my, my faith may have been lacking this week. And if my faith was lacking this week, then I obviously did not please him. And if I did not please him, so you see where the spiral comes in. And you just spiral downwards until I'm not sure that that's what God is saying. There's one thing I have come to, I don't hate, but I very much dislike, and that's grocery shopping. I don't do it all the time. There's now a thing called click list. It is a part of our lives. But there are times where I uh, go grocery shopping and you walk in and I don't feel like I'm an individual who is naturally just overwhelmed by life. I'm not saying I don't get overwhelmed, but I don't feel like I live in a state of overwhelmedness until I walk into the grocery store and you see all of these aisles and all of these items and for whatever reason, I have noticed that Dylan's is a lot like my mother-in-law in that they will place something in one spot for six months and then without hesitation, change it. You walk into Annie's house and for six months, it's been the same way. And then randomly, we decided to change it. Annie, what are you doing? It's my kitchen. Yep, you're right. Whatever. Dylan's, what are you doing? Here's, here's another problem that I got is in the last year, I've changed many things in my diet. And so shopping at Dylan's has now become shopping for a needle in a haystack because you have all of the organic things and all of the sugar-free things and all of the gluten th things. They have all of these things, but it is not in one spot. It is scattered throughout the hot mess of Dylan's and you got to go find it. Good luck, Sean. So you go grocery shopping and, and I'm looking for organic stuff and I'm looking for gluten-free stuff and I'm looking for all of this, all this stuff. You're looking for sugar-free stuff. You see a gram of sugar for me. It is like, get behind me, Satan. I don't want that in my body. It is no good. 
first service, I got way more amens. <laughs> Apparently, God's still uh, working on you guys, huh? If you didn't know, sugar is bad, really bad. We'll just leave it there. I don't, um, I don't make the lists at our house or here. I don't make a list in my life. That is a luxury and a curse all at the same time, ladies and gentlemen. But I don't make the grocery lists. Heather does because I would naturally leave like 85% of the stuff that we need um, off and I would get these things. And so uh, we found very quickly on in our marriage that Heather and I don't grocery shop together. That is not a thing. Um, the last time we did, I think um, Hampton was just a, a, a baby. We, we go into Dylan's, we get two carts, and instead of dividing and conquering, I just chased her or followed her around like I was another one of her kids. I would get in her way, she would get in my way, I was getting in other people's way. It was bad, we sought counsel, we're good. I am actually not joking, it was a bad experience. I'll never do that again. That was terrible. We still talk about it today, obviously. I don't know about you, but I walk into the grocery store, and if I wasn't hungry going in, I'm hungry on the way out, right? I'm not like my mother-in-law on this either, because she will go into grocery shop and open a bag of chips and eat while she shops. This makes no sense to me. It's weird. People look at you funny, like, what, what are we doing? But I am the guy who will buy way more than what I need to. Heather will send me a list. I get the stuff on the list, and I get like 20 more items. She used to look at, look at the grocery bags when we got there, and she said, why, Sean, why? We, we needed these things. We didn't need any of these things. Today, she just shakes her head and smiles, right? But here's the actual dilemma that I have with grocery shopping. Outside of the overwhelmness of all of the products, like you have one dilemma. Grocery shopping is a, like it's got multiple levels. It's not just a go grocery shopping. You gotta go grocery shopping, get them in your car, get them out of your car, get them in the house, unload them, put them where they go. It takes way too long. I realize that I'm never going to get over this. This is a part of our lives, but that doesn't mean that I have to be okay with it. And I'm not. When I get home with the groceries in the car, I have one thing on my mind. Without a shadow of a doubt, I don't have to think about it. I know when I pull in the driveway, I put it in park, one thing comes to my mind and one thing only. How do I get all of these groceries in the house in one trip? <laughs> Who's with me? Yeah. It is a frustration that I have. We are trying to create our own basketball team according to the amount of kids that we have in our house, the amount of bags that we have, this is an impossibility. But here's the great thing. I am raising four boys, three of which actually have the ability to help me. And so when I get there or when Heather gets there with the groceries and it's time to unload them, it is a snap of the fingers, get to it boys. This is why I don't understand people who don't wanna have kids. Like I, I need you to hold the thought process there for a second. Can I explain something to you? These these kids now get to do the chores that you don't want to do anymore, and you don't want to have them? I will pray for you afterwards. You don't want to have kids. Th these guys take the dishes out of the dishwasher that I don't want to do. The, the trash that has been in the trash can for long enough to where it stinks, they can do this now. 
we have animals, big animals outside. I thought it was important to raise cows for some reason. Heather has never seen a horse she didn't think we needed. And so we, we have these outside, outside animals that in the wintertime, they can go break ice. And I don't have to do that anymore. I can sit and sip my coffee and watch them do it. And when they screw up, I tell them how to fix it. And then I shut the door again and sip my coffee. I don't know why you wouldn't want this. What, what I have found about my boys, though, is they have the same, th- it's, I don't know, it must be like a God-given thing, because all of you guys struggle with this same idea. I didn't have to tell the boys, hey, the goal of the groceries is to get them all in on one, one time. They just knew it. It was crazy. It was, it, like, it's, it's unbelievable. And so... So we'll come home, and it doesn't matter whether it's two bags or 22 bags, and we're always on the 22 bags or more side. Um, and so, you, you know, Hampton and Hezekiah and Henley kind of um, will get these bags, and you, you hold them in your hand, and you kind of scooch them up your, your forearms, right? And you put more in there, and you put more in there, and you put more until you're just like your arms are shaking, right? And you go inside, you're like, okay. I'm going to go, I got this, I got this. And we have dogs, big dogs, like I don't, more animals. So you're kicking them out of the way because I have no, yeah. And we, Hoxton has just started walking and so we got baby gate and, and so I'm kicking the baby gate and you're, you're almost to the counter, you're almost to the counter and you're just, I made it. Hampton and Hezekiah are taking like one, maybe two bags and they, they think that we have just overwhelmed them with this. And so, you know, they're holding up here like, you're carrying bread, Zeke. Knock it off. Yeah, but it's so heavy. I'm almost there. They drop it on the counter and everything's falling out of the bags. The milk is like hanging onto the counter by a thread. And you know if it drops, it's going to bust and she's going to be mad at me and I'm going to be mad and it's going to be a thing. We're going to have to seek counsel again. But there is one thing that the Faulkner boys are always proud of when we get done. We got it in one trip. Yeah. We got it in one trip because heaven forbid. It's not your week. Counselor on speed dial, Dr. Hackney. If you know, he, uh, yeah. he's good at what he does. Got to get it all in one trip because heaven forbid I got to go back out to the vehicle to get another bag, get another something or other. I don't have time for that. I'm trying to save the world here. I think a lot of people treat faith the same way we treat our grocery bags. We're talking about faith this morning. I'm trusting God. When you hear faith, I can only imagine the, the words, the definitions, the concepts, the old sermons you've heard, the old books you've read, things you heard a televangelist say. When you hear the word faith, it'd be interesting if we had an open mic, of which we don't this morning to hear how you would define faith, 
I think some of us have a history with faith. You hear faith and think control. You hear faith and kind of almost tense up as a negative word because you've seen people use it against other people. See, this morning I can't just roll into service and say, we're going to talk about faith and expect everybody to be on the same page. Are right, you going to talk about faith? Word, that's, that's a good concept. Yeah, that's great. Nah, I think a lot of us carry faith like we carry our grocery bags. Here's what I mean. I think we think real people that have this real faith have the ability to carry our faith like we carry our grocery bags. You know, real believers can get it all done in one trip. Real believers can hold on to God. And I think we go week by week and day by day carrying these bags like just piled on our arms and they're shaking. And we get done and head into the week and it's like, okay, I got this just one more week. Okay, I got this just one more week. God, I trust you, but man, this isn't easy. God, I trust, I don't, I don't know, and we get to church. We can offload it. I got to Wednesday night. I got to Saturday night. I got to Sunday morning. I hit my small group this week. Then we walk back into the week again carrying this, this weight that we can't barely burden. Gotta hold on one more week. I gotta just get, get, if I can just get to Wednesday night. So what's faith? Some of us have been to church for a long time. I've heard sermons. Faith is the ability to hold on to God. As if God is like, leave me alone. We're like, no, God, I'll never leave you alone. When I say faith, some of us are like, ah, oh, faith reminds me of working out. Yay. I don't know about you, but I don't really care to work out. It's not, I don't look forward to it necessarily. I'd rather eat salad seven days a week. Which is actually not true either. I don't want to do that. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun either. In fact, well, anyhow. So, Heather, I'm trying to exercise more. I hear it's healthy for you. Heather says, hey, you're going to go for a run. I say, yeah, yeah, I guess. And I go, and I don't want to go, but I do it. And by the end of it, I'm like, oh, I kind of feel better. Kind of like church, right? Like, hey, you going to hit up the Father's house this weekend? I guess. Well, I got some stuff, and yeah, I'll go. And you get there, and you're like, oh. You get done with service, like, okay, I, I feel a little bit better. Like, sometimes I think that if I were to tell you that we were going to talk about faith for the next six weeks, like the, the internal thought process is, we're going to make you try harder. We're going to, to make you do more. We're, we're going to make you hold on a little tighter. 
We're gonna ask that you read your Bible more. We're gonna ask that you wear your, your gold cross. You've not been wearing your gold cross. You need to get that gold cross on now. Get that gold cross on now. Like when you, when you go on your commute, you need, to, you need to crank the music up. You need to crank Caleb up and you need to sing with all of your heart. You need to stop cussing as much. You need to put God on your online profile. P.S. I'm a man of faith. Faith is easily and cheaply told to us as something that we have to hold on to. And that when you hold on to it, you have to white knuckle it, hold on to it so tight that it doesn't slip through your fingers. You know, the God of love and mercy and acceptance. Hold on to it so tight. Whether we're aware of this or not, sometimes we come to gatherings, we come to church, and it's like, man, I hope Pastor Q has a word for me. That Sean guy will just pass over that week, but Pastor Q, next week, he gonna have a, he's going to have a word. And that worship team, that worship team, man, I hope they're spot on so I have something to hold on to for just, if I could just hold on to something for one more week. We get in the hallway and we talk to each other in the, in the foyer, and it's like, hey, man, how are you doing? I'm holding on. Talk to another friend, and it's like, hey, man, how, how are you? Man, I am slipping. You see someone you've not seen in a couple of weeks, you say, hey, how, how are you doing? He's like, I've been single for the last 30 years. What do you think? Wait, you did what last week? Oh, no. You let go of God. That's what you did. You need to go find him and grab him right now because you let go of God. Some of us leave church and like, man, that, that hurt so good. I needed to, I needed to hear that. And you're like, did you? Yes. Pastor hit me with the truth. I'm like, I'm not, I'm assaulting no one in here. No, I, I'm not hitting. No. We preach this Bible that is based off of news we call good. What's good about me saying, hey, you need to go find God? Some of you had a hard time finding church this morning. Some of you have not found the ability to find the TFH app on your smartphone yet. Now I'm sitting here looking at you saying, no, you need to go find God. Find him. Some of you would look at me and say, I've been, find, I've been looking for him my entire life. I have yet to find him. How do I find such God? If faith is to find and hold on to God, how do I do that as if it's all up to us ladies and gentlemen that's not faith I'd like to give you a definition um, a, a, a Greek word that they primarily used in the New Testament for the word faith Hebrews 11 says now faith is that Greek word, that Greek word for faith is pistis. And every teenager in the room laughed. It's the one, it's the one Greek word. Dale even said it while we were praying this morning. You know, well, that's another word for teenagers will remember pistis. Oh, Pastor Sean said piss from the pulpit. Pistis, faith, means to be persuaded to be convinced. Faith is not fragile. 
and your trust in God based off of your grip on him is not true. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to collectively calm down on our views of ourselves and our own powers. It's as if you could say, hey, God, where are you at? Come over here. <clears throat> gotcha. I'm not letting you go. Faith is divine persuasion. Divine persuasion, which is to say that God is the initiator of our faith. That it's not something I have mustered up. It's not something I have conjured up. It wasn't you. It's called divine persuasion. God revealed himself to you apart from that. We can't take any credit for it. Apart from that, there is no faith. There is no faith unless God initiates it. I don't believe that this is a sermon that is talked about on a regular basis. I believe that we have been preached to for so long in so many different churches across America that says, well, we live in a society that says, if you want it, go get it. God says, no, just calm down. Let's talk. We, we go to work day in and day out, striving, looking, figuring out how to get a promotion. And we come home and you're like, okay, I need to have this relationship with God. So if I've got to do that with my job, then surely I got to do that with God. I've got to perform some way, right? God said, no, no, no. Just please hear me. Faith is a gift. Faith is not something concocted by some sort of spiritually elite. Faith is not the distinguisher between spiritually strong and spiritually weak. Oh, you know, if she just had more faith. Ah, if he just had more faith. As if we can make faith up in our heart. As if this is mind over matter. As if we are motivated by our will. Let God be God, TFH. And if God is God, then let God persuade you. Let God reveal himself to you. I love the Bible because it starts off like this. In the beginning, God. Like that sets the record straight. Right? Like it doesn't say in the beginning there was a bunch of humanoids running around and we were looking for God and God, 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 where are you at, God? And God was holding his hands in heaven or his, his uh, hair in his hands in heaven saying, oh, man, I hope they don't find me. They're awfully annoying. They're a little self-centered. Like I would rather, that's not how this happens. The Bible says that we were lost in our sin and trespasses and that God revealed himself to us in his grace and in his mercy and that that changes our lives. It is not a behavior modification that I am interested in or that God is interested in. Because God knows that as he steps into a conversation with Zacchaeus, it will be in that conversation that is transformation. Not, hey, can you get it right and then I'll step in? That when he kneels down to the prostitute and says, hey, I will change your life. You just need to go change your own life for the next seven days and then I'll step in. That's not the God that we serve. The God says, I'll get down in the dust with you and I'm really happy down there. And I will have a conversation with you and I'll transform you. It is the divine persuasion that changes your life for the better. It is the divine persuasion that changes your life forever. 
John 14 says, no one gets to the Father except through me. I will reveal myself to him or her. Jude 1 and 3 says, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered. Your faith is delivered, guys. Your faith is delivered. I still have friends today that don't necessarily believe in Jesus. You know what I don't do? I don't go to them and say, I need you to sit down. I'm going to convince you of God. I need you, I need you to have a conversation with me. Because I, I, I need to convince you uh, of God. Here's the problem. If I can convince someone of God, someone else can, can unconvince them of God. That's not real transformation. That's head knowledge. If God is God, isn't it slightly insulting to re- represent him in a way that we're trying to convince people anyway? Even the prophets of old said, let the real God show up. You pray to your gods, I'll pray to my God, we'll see what happens. And the God that we serve showed up. This is why we don't shun unbelievers at the Father's house. We don't take a TV timeout when we know that there's an unbeliever in the room and say, hey, just a PSA, this guy over here, he doesn't believe in Jesus. No, we don't, we don't do, how dare you not believe in Jesus? We don't, we don't do that. It's divine persuasion. Any of us who believe in him today is proof that he has persuaded our hearts. The evidence was overwhelming. God did this, God did that, God spoke. I am persuaded. Faith is a gift. So our only response to the divine persuasion is to be open. To be open. It's what I would say to any of my friends who don't necessarily believe. Hey, are, are you open? Are you, if, if God shows up, are you at least open to it? Well, yeah. Okay, cool. You don't want to have any conversation? No, I want to go shoot more ducks and show you that I'm a better shot than you. Like, that's what I want to do. Oh. Let God be God. You know, I don't know if you know this, but God is really good at being God. And God has been God a really long time. God has never looked at anybody to walk the face of this earth and say, you know what, I just don't know that I can persuade them. Every concept that you and I have of God is too small. Have you ever thought about that? You know, today I feel like I'm a decently well-read individual. I read books, I pray, I journal, I read books, I try and preach. Like, I, I, I'm trying to expand the little bit of gray matter that I have and to realize that my concept of God, no matter how big your imagination is, it's still too small. That's why everyone is welcome here. think that you can make yourself a believer is to think that you can make yourself human. At what point in time did you get to decide that you were going to be a human? At what point in time did you consult with your mother on the date of your birth? I'm sure you can ask Kara. She's not had any consultation 
whole life is because of a creator, a designer, an author, and a finisher of our faith. The great thing about God is that if you're sitting in this room or you're watching online right now, I believe that he's already persuading your heart right now. That is nothing that I am saying, but it is divine persuasion. And I think we need to, to make sure that that is clear. There are some people who elevate pastors a little higher. There are some pastors who elevate themselves a little higher than they should today. It is not anything that I say, but I believe in this divine persuasion. In Acts 20, 20, when Paul was getting ready to leave, um, the, the scripture talks about how he was being pulled by the spirit. In Greek, it's deo honuma, and you are wrapped, literally wrapped in cords and being pulled by the spirit. That is divine persuasion. I believe that's happening in this room right now. God can use a donkey, surely he can use you and I. The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the earth declares the glory of the Lord. Some of the circles that I run in, I, I've had more friends come to know Jesus in a deer stand than any altar call I've ever given. There's something about standing and the nature that does something to you. You see the sun rise, you see life happen around you and realize that I serve a very, very powerful God. Last week, Pastor talked about Ben and I. You hear the story of Benaniah and you think, man, what a guy that, that uh, uh, a man that was absolutely fearless that he, he, was, he, he would come in contact with a lion, chase him into a pit, and then kill him. Like, that is a fearless man. I don't know how to do that. That is, that's a dude right there. Pastor also talked to you um, about, um, Heather and I got some unfortunate news in regards to my health last year, and Somewhere in between May 25th and June 6th, pastor looked at me and said, um, all right, son, I, I need you to run at the roar. Hey, we have these bracelets made. At some point in time, it'll be tattooed on my body, probably defiling the temple. Can I tell you what I have realized as a pastor is that, and I'm not saying I'm the best by any means, but one of my jobs is to figure out how to communicate what God is doing in my life to you guys. And what I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt this morning from personal experience is that it is much easier to run under war when I have received the gift of faith than why I'm trying to conjure it up myself. serve a God so big, so absolutely strong. He's not asking you to be perfect. He in fact
fact, he's asking you to stop trying so hard. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. The message translation speaks about unforced rhythms of grace. through the valley of the shadow of death. We have to remember that even when we're walking in a valley, if we're walking, then we're gonna walk out of it. And it is the ability to walk in and out of it that is a divine persuasion. Because if I do it myself, I'll fall flat in the middle of the valley and I won't be able to get up. If I try and conjure this faith up myself, if I try and, and know all of this scripture and pray the right prayers and be this perfect person who doesn't cuss, who doesn't drink, who doesn't smoke or run with any of the people that do, if I have this perfect life, then I've had this perfect faith and nothing has the ability to touch me. That is a glass house that is easily, easy. that is, the Bible says, Shifty, shifty foundation. Some of us have walked in here doing everything we can to live our lives the straight and narrow, whatever that even means. Some of us, I remember last year, talk about transparency, judge me if you want, I don't care. Thinking, and I feel like I got a pretty decent relationship with Jesus. But I remember sitting there thinking, if I say the right words, then maybe this will all go away. If I pray the right prayer, then maybe this, if I journal a certain amount of pages, and I know guys, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't like that, the, the logic in that, but I have a feeling that I'm not the only person that's ever felt that way. I have a feeling that, that because I find myself in a certain situation and I'm not able to do the things that I used to do, that if I just say the right things and I say the right words and I'm really nice to the people that need to be really, if I show love, if I do this myself, then I will be freed. If I, I mean, it comes, goes back to tithe and offering. If I, if I just give my money because that's what I'm supposed to do, maybe I'll get something out of it. That is not. That's not Jesus. Jesus wants you right where you're at. Jesus looks at you as already being a Benaniah. David was under divine persuasion, I believe, when he said, you come at me with a sword, but I come at you in the name of the God Almighty. Paul was divinely persuaded when he says, it is not me that lives, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. Paul was divinely persuaded when he wrote the book of Philippians. FYI, happiest book in the Bible, written from a prison cell. Because it's not about the circumstances that I'm in. We pray too many times today that if he would just get me out of the circumstance, then I would change. Romans 8 says that we are more than conquerors 
Hebrews 10, 39 says that we are people that don't shrink back. But I promise you, you will not be a conqueror and you will shrink back if you try and do it yourself. We are more than conquerors. And immediately after that, it says, no matter what, no matter good, bad, no matter, no matter what, no matter what, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will, nothing has the ability to separate me from your love. Faith, pistis, divine persuasion. If you've walked in here, to do faith like I have this relationship with Jesus and I've got to do all of this work let it go right now I can do an altar call you can come down we can pray but can I just say that maybe God just wants you to recognize that you don't have to do it and that's good, that it's signed, sealed, delivered, that it's over and done with, that, it, that those walls are taken down. Stand with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.